Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. This week, we try to get the uber-edgy taste of hyper-realistic modern violence out of our mouths, but end up reviewing D20 Modern somehow. Hopefully a few of you are tough heroes, because this is a rough one. Welcome to part two of our review of Haven, Sky Realms of Starfleet. Ah! Never! <laughs> Stop it! I hate <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Alright, welcome back. Uh, my name's Jeff, and as always, here's my partner, John. Woo! And uh, this week, we're actually going to be taking a look at something a little more mainstream, a little more friendly. Something a little more modern. More modern than Haven. City of Violence? <laughs> oh, man, you better take that pause to the doctor. I think it's pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, well, it did make me want to throw up. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been throwing up every morning since reading Haven. City of Violence. <laughs> oh, twinsies. <laughs> okay, so, uh, as mentioned, this week we're recording D20 Modern. Yep. Which, uh, if you remember your mainstream role-playing game history, would be the modern version of Dungeons & Dragons that came out for the open gaming license, when uh, when D20 was all the rage and every game became a D20 game, briefly. Yeah, back when they decided that for some reason letting everyone use their system was a great idea. So this is actually a core Wizards of the Coast product. Yep. Uh, as opposed to, say, White Wolf's take on Ravenloft... Or Starfleet D20, which was a thing. Or Diablo D20, which was a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is their core book. And a lot of other spinoffs use this. So, for example, the Starfleet Universe game was a D20 modern game. So instead of making yourself a naval officer with an interest in fly fishing, you would make yourself a tough hero or whatever. Nah. So, let's get right to it. This uses very recognizable, very familiar stats. It's got strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. It's got hit points. It's got armor class. It's got two hit bonuses. Yeah, if you've ever played uh, any D&D, then it will look extremely familiar on uh, your first pass. You'll look at the uh, system and go, okay, I understand what's going on. You've got a bunch of fiddly bits and uh, all the same stats and shenanigans that I recognize. But then it it kind of takes an odd twist on it. They were, it seems like they were really worried about the concept of fighters and clerics and so on applying to the real world. Yeah, they. I mean, they kept the class system, so you still have the same basic D&D thing. And they doubled down on multi-classing. Oh, yeah. But this, my very first complaint about it is the classes are bullshit and stupid. Uh, you've got, all of them are just based on a stat. Exactly. So you have a strong hero, a fast hero, a tough hero, a smart hero, a charismatic hero, and I believe the last one is a dedicated hero. Yeah. That's your wisdom guy. So each one of them is based on one of the core statistics, and uh, they encourage you very deeply to multi-class. So you're supposed to say, oh, I took three levels in Fast Hero, and then I took two levels in Strong Hero, and that's how I created my character who is uh, James Bondy, or whatever whatever it is that you're trying to build. 
And I can see the concepts. I mean, no, I mean, I understand wanting to basically uh, separate yourself from the standard D&D. They wanted to make uh, D20 Modern into its own thing and not just D&D But there's guns. guns. Yeah. And the armor is riot shields and so on. Yeah, yeah. they wanted to get away from that. So they tried to create a new kind of engine that was still recognizable and connected. Yeah, so and, same engine, but weird yeah. way of going about it. And, you know, it doesn't bother me as much as you'd think. Um, it, the, the thing I, I feel about it is that it was the closest they could get to emulating point-by engines. Like, they were trying to make a game that was going to be similar to an Exalted or a White Wolf game or something like that, where you don't really have a class, you don't really have any... Uh, Story, you don't have like a, a core cl- identifying concept. You're not a fighter. You don't fight, but you put a bunch of points into fighting skills, and that's that's what you are. You skew towards fighting. Yeah, it it feels like they really did want to go towards that but, open character type thing. But they still had to be D20e. Yeah. Well, the problem is you're still using the D20 system, which means you still have classes. So even if you're trying to make it seem more okay, you're just making your character how you want to make them, and it's not, you know, you aren't a cleric because that's what you picked. You would be a priest because that's your job, and you took skills in being able to talk real well and have knowledge in religion and whatnot, and that's what makes you something instead of that's what you picked at the beginning. I I would say if I had a real problem with it, it would just be that the whole multiclassing mechanic of 3rd edition was terrible. I mean, it was... was, It, they, they did a pretty good job of trying to make it so that you could really play your fighter mages and cleric mages and everything that every little kid wants to be. But uh, it, it also had a whole bunch of easily avoidable or easily exploited pitfalls just all over it. Like, uh, base attack bonus was the big and most core obvious concept or, or example of this. If uh, if you were playing a fighty character and you ever strayed off getting that plus one to your base attack bonus every, every level that you gained, you sucked. Because yeah. now you're 5% less likely to hit than you should be. You don't get as many attacks per round as you should, so you have to keep taking classes. And it's like, oh well, I, I really want to take one level of cleric and splash it and be clericy. That'd be really neat for me. Uh, and every guide on the internet will tell you, do not do that. Do not, never do that, <laughs> uh, it, because it's a big old trap. And it's the same thing with saving throws, and it's the same thing with abilities that are gained each level. Uh, it, it's weird to me that they chose to kind of double down on what I'm sure they had to know was not an especially successful system. And the the other main issue with trying to do that is in another game with more of the point by system or the flexible creation, you create whatever your hero is basically at the start. You know, if they're really good at certain skills or certain stats or what have you, it's going to show that at the beginning of your character. Whereas this, if you start as level one, you're, I'm a level one strong guy. So even if my concept for him was, okay, I really want to try and do someone more James Bond-like character, uh, you, you know, you'd start with that first level in Fast Hero and then get the charismatic and the strong and the smart and all that. But it takes, at least seven or eight levels to hit that benchmark of now I look like the character I wanted to be to start instead of games where your character basically looks like a slightly less powerful version of it, whereas in this, 
you just would look nothing like it until you hit that threshold. Right, you're just playing some kind of sponge that's slowly accumulating powers but doesn't really mean anything. It's it's interesting how they put that together. Um, one of the things I, I find troublesome about the whole fast, tough hero is one, one of the things about Dungeons & Dragons is that there's these iconic character beat levels. Like, you know, when you're level 5 and you're a paladin, you get a warhorse. Yeah. Uh, when you're level 5 and you're a wizard, you get third-level spells. In this game, because it's so multi-classy, it's really hard to feel or suss out when you're going to hit those character milestones or those character beats. And even the ones that do exist aren't really interesting. Uh, it feels like a lot of the things they give you in this game for character milestones in these in these six base class levels are things that in Dungeons & Dragons would have just been feats. Yeah, you get... Um, actually, you get a feat basically every other level, sort of like you were a fighter, but that's all of the base classes get that, you get an extra feat. Uh, and then there are a couple fiddly little things that would be essentially also feats, but geared towards whatever it is. Like, if you're a fast hero, uh, one of the things you can get is evasion, like you were a rogue, something like that. Fast hero is basically rogue. It, it, it gives you evasion. <laughs> it gives basically all the skills for rogue that aren't related to climbing walls or picking pockets are kind of baked into fast hero. Yeah, so each of them has kind of correlations of what you would be, depending on what you're playing. Vaguely, because, you know, dedicated heroes, which are wisdom-based, they get, like, intuition bonuses to things. They can, like, identify problems and uh, come up with quick solutions and so on. But they can't cast cleric spells. Well, no, but they are also the only ones that really get good at using med kits yeah. and things like that. And because there is, uh, in the base book, no, there there are no cleric spells, no wizard spells, there are no spells at all. No races, there's just humans. No, it, it is very just vanilla, modern day stuff. Yeah. So because of that, it, you really do need to have someone that's going to be able to use a med kit to bandage someone up, because you can't just have the cleric go, alright, whatever, I'll raise dead if you die, or I'll stabilize you real quick with a right. cure there's, light. There's no cure light wounds, there's band-aids and bandages and driving people to the hospital. Uh, which is fine. The game actually does a pretty good job of making it so that your characters can run around with guns and armor, and it's not as lethal as other uh, modern games that we've reviewed, or sci-fi games that have guns in them that we've reviewed. No, well, it, it does go off of the HP system that you yes. had in D&D, so by the time you've got any levels under your belt, you're going to be able to take plenty of hits. Yeah, and since it doesn't have a wound track system, which was one of the things that made things like Starfleet or Haven such uh, such dangerous <laughs> games to be alive in, uh, you just you can take hit point damage until you hit zero, and then you're unconscious. It's a binary state. There's no wound penalty system, so yeah, you're a little more tough. You're a little more survivable. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the other interesting things about the uh, the levels for the different classes in this is unlike your standard D&D, they only go up to 10. Yes, so they're 10. You can't just say, you know what, until the end of my career, I'm just a strong hero, that's all I am. I am playing a circus strong man, that's it. So, no matter what, once you hit level 11, you have to start multi-classing. It is yeah. not capable of, like, continuing down the same track. Now, we don't want you to think that the only thing in this game is to be a fast hero, strong hero, tough hero. There are subclasses. There, There's prestige class equivalents that are littering the book. There's a lot of them. Uh, I think the core book has two per each one of the... Basically, two, two per stat. Two per stat. So there's like 
two uh, classes that build off fast hero, two classes that build off dedicated hero, and so on. Yeah, so for, like, a strong hero, you could be a soldier or a martial artist. Yes. And so you take those, uh, they work exactly like prestige classes, they have prerequisites you have to meet, they are significantly easier to meet those prerequisites if you are the uh, obvious archetype class. Like, if you're a strong hero, it's obvious that it's easy to get into soldier. Yeah. But you could do it from charismatic hero if you really wanted to. It would just take you longer. It would be an interesting build. So there's a lot of those. You can get into them starting around level 3 for some. So they don't want you to necessarily stay in these stat hero-based builds forever. Yeah. Uh, I think basically what it looks like they want you to do is spend the first six levels or so, get your basic stat spread, you know, get... You want to be, say, uh, a melee guy. You want to rock, walk around punching dudes or hitting them with batons or whatever it is. They're like, okay, you know, take four levels of strong, two levels of tough, and then go into the martial artist. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting to me that this book goes so deeply into its kind of archetype characters. You know, <laughs> we, we get used to, when you read the old third edition Dungeons and Dragons book, you get used to those one picture each of all those core characters you're... Your uh, dwarf pal or a fighter that was in that book, and uh, I, I'm I'm Mia Lee. Mia Lee, the elf wizard. And, yeah, there's a gnome bard uh, because they made gnome bards the iconic class for them in 3.5, and and so on. Uh, this book do- doubles down on that. They have a strong hero in there, and I, I don't remember his name, but he's this cool dreadlocks looking dude wearing like a chainmail shirt. Yeah, and uh, he is. Everywhere. Like, there's pictures of him over and over and over again, and whenever they go to the next level of classes, you'll find him there, like, oh, now I'm a Templar Knight, or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's neat how they do that. Uh, I know the fast hero is an Asian lady named Yoriko Obato, yeah, and then you get to uh, see her as, like, a thief. Yeah, there's the tough hero, which is Moondog, <laughs> which, oh my god, okay, fucking Moondog, the bounty really, he's, he is supposed to be this super tough bodyguard badass guy, and his name is Moondog. I'm like, seriously, you sound like you should be giving me flowers at the airport. Moondog looks like the sort of guy whose job in life is to turn the lever that starts the Ferris wheel. <laughs> uh, he has, uh, he's balding with a pulled back ponytail, he's got a scar and interesting teeth. Yeah, he, yeah, he has opinions about rock these days. Yeah, he radiates Carney. Uh, I, I guarantee you his car is something in the vein of IROC. <laughs> Perhaps Irock Z. So yeah, they're they're the iconic characters, and they are everywhere. So if it's talking about like, say, the climbing skill, it'll have a picture of Yoriko climbing, and it says Yoriko climbs up this building. And yeah. So all of the heroes show up repeatedly in the book. Yeah, and they're big on that. They really like this concept that uh, that each that you want to play as heroes like these. It, it, it's interesting that they went ahead and did that uh, because. Number one, it lets you see a lot of different artists' take on these characters, because they didn't keep the artist to one character per artist. So you get a lot of different pictures of Yoriko, who is some fan service. That's what that character is. And the weird thing with something like, say, Moondog, is he, he looks like a total carny in his tough hero look. And then it goes to the bodyguard and shows him, and he's in, like, a suit and tie and sunglasses and looking all smooth. Yeah, and like, he's super professional fuck? all of a sudden. Uh, does that work if you do that to a real carny? Yeah, that's that's what happens. You just put a suit on him, and it's like fucking Frosty the Snowman with the hat. <laughs> okay, so once you've got your basic class built, and each one of them again is just like the classes from from D and D. You've got a hit point, you get a hit die, 
Tells you how many hit points each one of them gets. You've Which, got... thankfully, no one's at a D4 hit die. No, like, not Even the book. smart hero yeah. is still a D6. Yeah, it's possible to go to a D4, but you have to go to one of the expansion books, which uh, we'll get to some point. Uh, for now, yeah, you, the minimum you get per HP for level is D6, and then you get your saving throw bonuses and your basic attack bonuses are all coming off of that. Once you've got those, then you come to your feats. And I'll go ahead and say it, the feats in this book are boring. Oh my god, they are awful. And not even, like, awful in that they're not useful, but every single one of them is plus two to a skill. Yeah. Or plus one in this situation. Or plus, it's all just fiddly plus it, ones and twos. generic stat adders, and that's and they're so boring. Not a single one of them is like, oh, a cool spinny attack that you can do. Or Oh, no. Yeah. Like, you've got sort of a couple basic D&D ones. You've got your cleave, you've got your power attack. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, you've got basically 20 variations on, uh, you've got, like, teacher is a feat. You get plus two to the education and the speaking skills. Uh, and then there are so many feats that are just plus two to two different skills. Yeah, basically they have every single permutation of two different skills and then a name for them. Yeah. Oh, do you get plus two to climbing and plus two to acrobatics? Circus trained or whatever. It's, that's that's they just keep doing that and it's so boring. It, it's it's a shame because feats are supposed to be something where you're excited to get them. Oh yeah, yeah. you should look. Oh man, I'm gonna get a feat next level. That's gonna let me get ma. It's gonna change how I play. It will not change anything. Yeah, and you know this was a problem in third edition, and then it was exacerbated in fourth edition. Is that when you know that your feats are all just generic stat modifiers like this? You plan them out in advance, because they're not exciting. So you just go, all right, at level 6, I pick up Teacher, so I'm plus 2 to Education. And at level 8, I'll pick up Acrobat. It's just, it's not fun. It's just work that you do when your character is level 1. Yeah, you just look at it and go, okay, what are the feats that actually give me bonuses to what I want to do? Like, is there something that is uh, better for shooting a gun? Do I need to get Precise Shot? Okay, great, I'll get that. Yeah, you start with any one that modifies your attack roll, because that's the only roll that matters. Yep. And then after that, you just fill in with garbage. And it's it's a shame, because feats are such an interesting design space, and I feel like the the moment that, that uh, game designers realize, oh man, we give these people a power every other level, we could use this to fix the math. Huh. Oh, huh. well, great, thanks for ruining the game. Thanks for making it so I have to take boring plus one to attack bonuses. Yeah, the and the, the weird thing about it is, uh, with all the little fitty fiddly plus two to the uh, the skills, there is an odd focus in this game on being more skill-based than in a D&D game. Yeah. It seems like when they're talking about possible adventures or things you're going to want to do, it deals more with, what's your job? How do you talk to people? Are you going to be able to do certain things in the world? How are your computer skills? Yeah, it, yeah. It are you doesn't a lawyer? Have, do you know a lawyer? Yeah, it doesn't have the same, like, 100% focus on combat that D&D had. Which is fine, because again, one of the concepts behind this book is that it's a template book. D&D is a game. There, I mean... There are expansions to D&D that exist. We've already reviewed a couple of them. We've talked about EverQuest. Yeah. Uh, it uses the D&D base rules. This is a template. This is this is a guideline for how you could play James Bond, the role-playing game, without mentioning James Bond ever. It's basically, how do you play characters in the modern world? There is no storyline here. The only, the only real uh, 
kind of setting that we get notes that we get are those six core characters. Your pictures of Yoriko are the setting in this yeah. game. It and that's it, it. I'm I'm of two minds for the way they handle this because in the one hand, I think that's great. I like that they have a broader focus than just combat. I I like my games to not just be murder hobo and we go into a dungeon and kill everything and loot it and then find the next hole to dive into. On the other hand, they didn't do a very good job. Well, yeah, the other hand, it's still a D&D system, yeah. which means you can go ahead and say, look at all these skills you've got, and we suggest you do this. But then you look at, here's also at least half of the book dedicated to combat rules and weapons and armor and everything else so that so much space is given over to combat. And, and once again, you've got that binary skill result table. Where oh, the, yeah. The only thing that matters to the skill is did you roll above the target number or not, which means there's no half successes. There's no nuance. No, it's and, just did you want to convince this guy of something? Okay, I roll diplomacy. I didn't get it. Then he is not convinced. Moving on. Does anyone have a higher diplomacy than me? You should make that roll every time. Yeah. And that's, you know, I understand if you want to make a game that's based around skill. So you can, uh, say for example, you wanted to make a Phoenix Wright simulator. Huh, huh. Okay, is this the game you could do a Phoenix Wright simulator in? Uh, it, it wants to be. It's got a bunch of stuff about legal skills and the ability to actually play as a lawyer or a politician. So theoretically, yes. Except that the problem is that in Phoenix Wright, he's never just like, I succeeded versus I failed. There, there's there's half measures. There's There's scores. And this doesn't do that with its skills. Yeah, it feels like it's looking towards modern game design, but didn't know how to get there, or really that it was a little too married to the system that it was coming from. Yeah. So it kind of wants to be better, but it can't because it's got D&D baggage. You know, it's funny because both of us are kind of 4th edition guys. And they didn't fix this in 4th edition. Oh, no. God, no. No, not, not even close. It's exactly as bad. The skills are still binary. Their their solution was skill challenges, which are basically like, okay, you have to diplomatically convince this guy of something. Oh, so I had to roll diplomacy? No, you have to roll diplomacy four times, athletics once, and then your choice of endurance or cooking. Huh. Like, what? Why? Because oh, uh, if you just rolled once, it'd be binary. So instead, it's six times binary. Yeah, yeah. that's that's how it works. Oh, okay. Well, okay. But there's no nuance still. It's still pass-fail six times. Yeah. Uh, and that's... It's annoying, but at least with, say, a fourth edition, it was very clear that what they were trying to do was make a tactical combat simulator. There were still skills in there because you kind of have to for anyone that wants to play a D&D and goes... Well, oh, I need tie to tie up these orcs. You know, I've got to have a way to convince the king of whatever or whatever you want to do. Uh, but it was very clear from the start. This game is about having a grid, moving dudes around it, using powers. Whereas right. this game is very clear about it's about being in the real world and it might not involve combat all the time, but it sort of fails to deliver a system that let you do that. The right way to tie up orcs, by the way, is sexily. <laughs> Sexfully. Sexfully. You're not fully tied up unless you're sexfully tied up. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, like we said, the feats are really boring. They just add to skills. The skills, there's a good 
round of skills. They have all the skills you'd expect in a modern game. So basically everything from D&D, and then also stuff like driving, firearm repair. Like 40 different types of science. TV VCR repair, (laughs) gun repair, or run a business from home. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) The the skill list is comprehensively large. Yeah. Uh I would say too large. There's just too much stuff cuz even then like I said, it goes down to like, okay, what do you have? I have perform. Is that just a skill? Oh no. You have to have like perform, singing, playing an instrument, Whistling. doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like they they took acting and stand-up comedy as two different things, which is great. Uh, they took performance of, like, playing different instruments as all different performances. Yeah, drive is six or seven different things. The science is like, do you have earth science? Do you have physics? Do you have electro science? Do you have shenanigans? I don't even know what the fuck you're doing. Wee! I have scientology. Wee! Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of base skills and then even more sub skills. Yeah, lots and lots of skills, which... Ultimately, most players are going to skip because, uh, you know, as much fun as it would be to play a Phoenix Wright simulator, no one's going to use D20 Modern to do that. If they're going to run (laughs) D20 Modern, they're going to run it as, you know, mercs, running around shooting guns at each other. Yeah, you're going to be playing as, oh, you got hired by some rich guy and he needs you to go figure out what's happening with the mafia. And then you're going to get into a shootout with some dudes in the mafia. Yeah, so it's hard to even conceive of a way that we're going to be able to talk about this game for an hour. Because <laughs> we already talked about Haven, City of Violence, well, and and Haven was a lot of world building. It was basically the same game, but less less realistic while trying to be more realistic. <laughs> extremely annoying to read, and had a lot of you know references to the way that the world worked. Uh, this one has no references to the way the world worked. But but oh, before we before we give up entirely, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about wealth. Well, the uh, go ahead and and tie it into. We keep saying that it's uh, supposed to be, you know, you're based around, like, you'll have a job, you'll do whatever. It's not just you'll write down, oh, yeah, my guy happens to be a bodyguard, or he's a daredevil, or whatever. You actually have a job that write, you write down, and it gives you some skill bonuses, and it gives you starting reputation and wealth bonus. Yeah. So you'll pick something like, I'm a dilettante, or I'm a blue-collar worker, or I'm a scientist, or whatever, and it lets you pick things that will become class skills, give you a bonus to something if it's already a class skill, and then give you uh, reputation and wealth. And wealth. And and uh, the way wealth works in this game is, is uh, well, it's similar to the resource mechanic from White Wolf games. Yeah. You get dots, or not dots in this case, you get a numeric wealth value, and then you can automatically buy things that are under your wealth value, or... Within a certain kind of threshold. Yeah, so yeah. let's say you've got a wealth of eight. You're not very rich. You're probably, you know, maybe middle class, a little lower. So you could, I mean, you could go out and buy something that costs five wealth, which would be maybe the equivalent of like 40 bucks or something. Right. And it wouldn't do anything. You could, you could go pay do for that. dinner. Yeah. yeah. You could go out and it wouldn't affect your overall savings essentially. But if you buy anything that is at or above your wealth, so let's say you want to buy a gun. That gun is a wealth 12. Mhm. First, you have to roll to see if you can get it. So, it's got a DC of whatever its cost is. So, in this it's DC 12. 
and you get a bonus based on your wealth, so you'd need to roll like a four or above if you were wealth eight. And if you don't, you just can't afford it. And if you can, great, you bought it, and now you reduce your wealth by one. Yeah, presumably you put it on a credit card, and it re- reduced your ability to keep spending things on that credit card. There are also special rules for things that are difficult to acquire or rare or require licenses. So, for example, if you were to buy a gun, you'd have to uh, acquire a gun license to own that gun, which takes three days or 24 hours to find the gun, anything along those lines, which doesn't work with bulk mechanics. Like, if you wanted to buy, say, 10 Uzis, (laughs) it would take you 10 days, because it would take you 24 hours each time to find another Uzi. And you can do black market stuff. So let's say Mm -hmm. your guy's like, I want to get a gun. I don't want to get a license for it. I just want this to be on the DL. Great. You go ahead and go black market, and it adds to the wealth cost of whatever the thing you are buying. Usually one or two. And we worked out, just for fun, we worked out exactly how rich it's possible to get in the game by yourself. Now, technically, you're supposed to get wealth awards from your DM as you play through the game for completing missions, getting paid for things. Yeah, because this doesn't have gold or anything like that. No dollars. Yeah, you don't kill a dragon and then get, you know, 500 gold pieces. You'd go do a job for the CEO of some company and then... He would reward you, and your wealth goes up by two or three or something. Yeah, it actually uses D4 as a constant wealth reminder. Like, oh, you get a D4 wealth bonus, which... Eh. All right. Uh, But anyway, if you, say, for example, shoot a random thug and pick his pockets and get 50 bucks, it doesn't really affect your wealth score, score, because they don't really want that to become a... uh, an ongoing thing, that you're constantly tracking dollars. They tried to abstract that mechanic. Yeah. Uh, so, more or less, you pretty much get wealth bonuses, windfalls, at the ends of story arcs. Like, no matter how much time you spend looting guards, you're not going to get your wealth score to go up. Yeah, if you... Unless your wealth score's at zero. Yeah, if you run around a building and are like, oh man, I'm just going to kill everyone in here and rob them blind, it rules as written... Doesn't do anything. I think eventually your DM is supposed to go like, alright, fine, you've killed a bunch of people, you get a wealth level. Also, you get three stars and there's a helicopter <laughs> after you. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, it's interesting that they went ahead and abstracted that mechanic. I appreciate it, personally, because, again, I don't want to play murder hobo, hobo simulators, and I yeah. don't want to spend a bunch of time running around killing everyone I see on the street, and then arguing about how the cops can't catch you if you go inside a specific building. <laughs> it's just not fun, so it's nice that they went ahead and did this. On the other hand, it is possible to hit kind of a wealth cap in this game, where you, there's no specific wealth cap, but there is a level at which things become so expensive that you can't buy them without having to roll for them. Yeah, if anything is a wealth 15 or higher. That's the I'll, DC to purchase it. And that includes a lot of the gun options, most like rifles uh, or any of the more expensive things like that, and of course anything like cars, a car, uh, a lot of high-end electronics, anything like that. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, it will reduce at least one from your score. Right, so if you're playing as, say, for example, Iron Man in your uh, D20 modern game, and you have Tony Stark head into uh, Walmart and buy a laptop, he gets poorer for it. Yeah, it's noticeable. There, There is a dip in his available money because he went and bought a Dell. Yeah, which is odd because I feel like they could have taken that further with the abstract and just made rich a characteristic your character can have. Because there's a point in storyline, especially in fictional storylines, where rich characters are so rich that their money doesn't matter anymore. No, and it's it's one of those things where even if you 
uh, roll, because you roll randomly to see what your starting wealth is. So if you roll max starting wealth, you pick dilettante, which is the job which gives you the most wealth. If you go down the celebrity track from the charismatic hero for your class, which gives you more windfall bonuses. And then every time you get a feat, you get the windfall feat, which gives you plus three to wealth. Even then, it's like, I go buy a car. Great, you lose wealth. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Cars are expensive. Fuck you, you can't buy a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Which is odd, because if you built your entire character around nothing but buying a whole bunch of shit, fine, let your characters do that. Yeah, at that point you'd be like, dude, you have no idea. I have the equivalent of a billion dollars. Dude, what did you do with that? I bought 30 rifles. Yeah. Then what? Well, then I was poor. Oh, great. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because, cause, again... Like we were saying, it's not that exciting when Tony Stark goes from 80 wealth, which is really, really hard to get to, to 79. That doesn't really change much. But if you were to buy 30 rifles, which again, should not be a big deal for, for Tony Stark, he goes from 80 wealth to 50. And that's a significant change. Because yeah. you can't do bulk purchases in this system. And again, because the only way you can really get extra money is generally going up in level... Uh, or the DM just sort of gives it to you. Finishing quests, basically. Then, once you've bought something, it's gone. You don't have that resource anymore. It's a permanent investment. Which is a shame if you're playing an ATME game where, you know, you're going to lose cars and shit. Oh yeah, if you're like, oh, I, I buy this van and I'm going to do it for this job, and then it gets all shot up and ruined, and you're like, oh, crap! I lost two wealth getting this, because... Not only is anything 15 or above going to reduce your wealth score, but of course you also lose one for anything that is above your wealth as well, if you had to roll for it. So if you've got, say, a 16 wealth and you get something that's 18, because you had to roll for it and because it's above 15, you lose two wealth for getting it. Yeah, you shouldn't have bought that. It was real expensive. Yeah. yeah fair enough. So I, I feel like they did a pretty good job trying to make a wealth mechanic that works, and I feel like they didn't take it as far as they could have. Yeah, it... I mean, there should be sort of threshold things for, like, if an item is 10 DC below whatever your wealth is, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so, irrelevant. Just yeah, buy all the Uzis you want. Yeah, if you've got a 30 in wealth, you're ridiculously wealthy, then buying a laptop shouldn't be an issue. For right, you. it should just be a DM discretion thing, really. Because, you know, say, for example, Tony Stark buys 7 Uzis. What's he going to do with them? Huh. He gives one to everyone in the party, and then he's done. Yeah. Is he is he funding an army? Okay, great. DM discretion. That's actually going to cost you some wealth. And that is... it. It's, I again, of two minds for almost all of this game, where I look at the wealth system, and I think, that's interesting. I I appreciate what you're trying to do to make it so that characters aren't constantly trying to track how much they've got. You don't want every time someone gets into a firefight, as soon as it ends, everyone goes, all right, I need to start rolling the bodies for cash, because right. that's the only way I can get things. Right, because that's always the most interesting part of action movies, is when they obsessively take all the wallets out of all the thugs that they just killed. Yeah. So you want to keep things moving along at a decent pace. You want them to not think about money as much. You want them to think about the character abstract it out, then it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. It's just the system itself could be a little more refined. They could have done a better job to make it obvious that rich characters are rich, poor characters are poor, that kind of thing. It's neat that they put it in. It really is. 
Because, again, we're talking about a game that's an offshoot of Dungeons & Dragons, which is obsessive gold tracking to the point where you have to worry about the weight of your money. Oh, yeah. So it's it's interesting that they took something that's so core to a and d using the same system and then just got rid of it and replaced it with something that is not at all in any of the other D&D stuff. Yeah, so that's nice. I like that. No, I do like the experimentation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that they tried to get out of the comfort zone. Absolutely. Uh, as we mentioned in the, uh, your, sort of your job, you get not only wealth, but your reputation. And reputation is sort of an interesting addition to this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the ability to pretty much influence people so that even if you aren't a charismatic person. So let's say you're not playing the face, mm-hmm. but let's go ahead and say you've got, uh, you're a scientist. You take the field scientist prestige class, which gives you a reputation bonus to whatever science thing you are known for. Sure. So at that point, you can go like, okay, I may not be awesome because I'm kind of a nerdy dude who's not very charismatic, but it'll be like that scene in the movie where someone meets someone who's like, Oh my god, that's Doctor Whoever. He came up with this theory. Oh, I'm so... It's amazing to see you. So that even someone who isn't charismatic can still talk their way into things yeah. or impress people, things like that. That's a brilliant concept. I like, I, I like that they went ahead and did that so it works that way. For two reasons. Uh, because... First of all, it lets you have a mark in the world, and I mean a real mark in the, in the game world where even if you're not present, you know that your reputation precedes you. And I'm thinking about how reputation spreads And say, for example, Steven Seagal movies where every single time uh, the kind of sub-head villain will, will identify that he's chasing Steven Seagal's character and have to give a speech about how much of a badass that character is, you know, usually like, wait a minute, are you sure that we're actually tracking the wolf? You know, he's wanted in 11 countries. Yeah. It it lets you have some notoriety, some stuff to do, and it lets you have that without having to make things be based on how many dudes you've killed. Also, no D20 roll. Your character's just known. Your char- you don't have to roll a D20 and go, oh, God, I rolled a one. Let's wait an hour and then see if this person remembers who I am. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the reputation bonus that you have, it will help you for certain things. So you will have roles for, uh, like, say you're trying to get into a party, uh, and you've got a reputation that's fairly high. There's a good chance the bouncer will recognize you, which means you'll get a bonus to, you know, whatever your diplomacy or bluff check is to try and get in. So it's super useful for that. And like I said, it lets you have the ability to be known for something aside from being a murder hobo, and it gives you the opportunity for characters that aren't just, I'm playing a charismatic guy, to be able to have that moment in the RP spotlight of, yeah, I can go ahead and we go to a science convention, my scientist is the most popular guy ever. Yeah. Great. Get inside this nightclub. You're a world-renowned Nobel physicist, Niels Bohr. <laughs> Oh, man. Niels Bohr is a P-I-M-P pimp. <laughs> Keep my cup full. I'm Niels Bohr. <laughs> uh, so, 
I enjoy that Niels Bohr can be a badass in this game. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what occupies the back of this book. Oh, oh, before we get to that, let's talk about the items. Oh yeah, I was about to say, the fucking equipment in this, as much as I bitched last week about Haven's obsession with various guns, Mm -hmm. oh, good lord, D20 Modern. It has every gun, all of them, Mm -hmm. In addition to all the cars, and not just like a sedan. No, it's a it's, van. it's an Acura legend. Yeah, they're like, what do you have? This is a Toyota Prius. I don't know, is Prius a Toyota? Uh, a, a Toyota is in fact a Prius, although oh, I don't sweet. think Priuses were around when this book came out. Yeah. Which is fun because that means the book dates itself with cars that you can't get anymore. I think it's got I think it's got the Ford Escort in there. <laughs> got a fiesta. Yeah, a fiesta and the uh the, the probe. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense why they did that. Why, why bother with giving us the exact stats on an Acura Legend when, say, for example, you could give us the stats on a four-door sedan? Yeah, and even weirder than that is it... Like, I could understand if, instead of saying four-door sedan, they're like, okay, we want people to know what we're talking about. We'll give actual real-world examples. But they give, like, multiple types for the same type of car, so you'll have three different vans that they'll name off. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you've got an Astro or a Safari. And you're like, what the fuck? I don't give a shit. Do about- I have a van? It's a van. How many hit points does it have? Ugh. What's its treasure type? <laughs> How like- many cobalts fit in this van? <laughs> uh, so it's it's sort of weird. And again, obsessively goes through everything. Is there any book about guns that doesn't just list thousands of stupid guns? Oh, you know what? Yes, Gamma World. There you go. Gamma World gives you gun is like a card. It's like, what's this? Uh, Two-handed gun. That's what you have. You have a two-handed gun, the end. Yeah, no, I mean, there have been, I think, maybe in some White Wolf, where they were like, what is this? It's a pistol. You don't need to know what kind of pistol. Fuck you. Right. I mean, I'm okay with, here's, here's where I'm okay with. Is it a revolver? Maybe I'd like to know that. Maybe I'd like to know how many bullets fit in my gun. Otherwise, I don't give a shit. And you're not going to convince me that one gun does one HP more of damage on average than another gun. Yeah, when you're abstracting out what HP is, which, again, I like in this book, it even has a little sidebar. Oh, does it abstract it? What is HP? And it's like, it's how good you are at being able to not take a hit in a vital area. Right. So it does at least say... When you get higher in level, you don't just have more meat on you. <laughs> a guy has to chop through My to kill you. skin's so tough. Ugh. Well, let's, you know, sidebar for a second here. That was a thing in, in uh, D20 Modern, and then in 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, they went again and they said, okay, here's what hit points are. Hit points are your ability to not get hit. They're your drive to keep fighting. They're the fat, they're, they are the meat that you're made of. They're all these things rolled into one, because measuring all of those things separately is stupid. Yeah. Now... 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> which I love to talk about at any given opportunity, has reversed that and said the hit points are your ability to take hits to the face with swords until you fall down, and that is all. Oh, which, yeah, man. I love that they've reversed that trend. And again, it goes back to the fact that 3rd edition D&D broke people. Now people are so obsessed with realism that, that that's the sort of rule that they, they like. You know, HP can't be just like my luck meat. Right. Fuck you, it's yeah, gotta yeah. be how often I get hit. The guy rolled and hit me, I got hit. Are you saying that guy's healing me with Marshall? What, is he just yelling me back to health? That doesn't make any sense. What, did he yell at me and my wound closed? This is dumb. <laughs> Which is, 
I, that is my favorite argument. I've seen it online. It's one of my favorite arguments that martial healing doesn't exist, only cleric healing does. Because I'm pretty sure that in real-world experience, more people have been shouted back from unconscious than magically healed back from <laughs> unconscious. I think if you do the numbers, warlords are more likely. Uh, yeah. Hey, so, sorry, digression. <laughs> so, back to D20 Modern. Uh, the, so you've got a whole shitload of, uh, guns and cars and things like that. But oddly enough, not a lot of armor options. It was kind of odd that they went to the trouble to give every single type of gun and car you could imagine. And then they're like, I, and then maybe a Kevlar vest or a riot shield or something. We don't care. I think probably did their research in a 7-Eleven. <laughs> I mean, they went to the magazine rack, and there is a big magazine about guns, and there's a big magazine about cars, and it has a bikini model on the front. Yeah. But there's not generally a, mo- a magazine about body armor styles. Hmm. Pretty hmm. much people think that there are maybe two kinds of modern armor. There's There's light Kevlar, and there's heavy Kevlar, and that's about it. Yeah. And this game actually gives you more than that, because, of course, it, it gives you fucking chain mail and leather armor and plate mail and stuff, which, I, I don't know, are people ransacking museums or ren fairs? Where's that <laughs> stuff coming from? Yeah, the the inclusion of a lot of old D&D stuff in this book is kind of weird, and especially weird once you hit the monster section. Yeah. Because, okay, you've been going through this book, and it is hyper-real. It is just humans. There is... The only thing you can be are various jobs that are in the world. All of the cars are real-world cars. All of the guns are real-world guns. There is no magic. There is no psionics. Everything is also, based in reality. Not even any of that near-future stuff that you usually no. see in books like that. There's no there's no laser gun that you can carry around or anything like that. Yeah, like the highest tech thing is you made basically like one of those bomb-diffusing robots yeah. is the highest tech you're gonna see. Yeah. And then you hit the enemies area, and it's like, here's a bugbear. Here's and a living a, dumpster. Here's an elithid that's also a preacher. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> they just lost it. I guess because they figured that if you were gonna be making thugs to fight, you already have the, the rules to make, like, level two tough heroes. So you got your you got oh. your thugs covered, so let's get some better monsters in there. But, you know, it's not like there aren't real-world things you could have to fight that would be kind of fun to... to you know, you could make the stats for an assault helicopter. Or, uh... <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. No, there are, there are plenty of things that you could do. But, no. We're instead going to put in harpies. You're like, why? <laughs> okay, so... Where the so, fuck is this coming from? So, a bodyguard and a spy and a field medic doctor walk into an abandoned warehouse looking for clues about who how the cocaine is getting into the city... But guarding it is five kobolds and an orc. You're like, what? What? What has happened to my game? Look out, guys! They have an Otiug. <laughs> it is. It is one of those super whiplash moments for me going through this book, where I'm like, okay, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Okay, and enemies. What the? F- what? I do like their dedication towards making a lot of modernized versions of enemies. The Living Dumpster is my favorite of them. I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I feel kind of bad because we've also... I, I own this game and have played it and like it a lot uh, because of how dumb it is. Uh, and I also own the Urban Arcana expansion for it, which means that I, I get a lot of the two mixed in my head. 
But the living dumpster is a living dumpster. It's a dumpster that comes to life and eats people by slamming its lid on them until they are <laughs> until they are chewed up. Huh? And uh, it, it just lives in dark alleys and kills people by ramming them into walls. Yeah, it is a shitty B-movie in and of itself. It's a mimic. It's a D&D mimic that was like, you know what? No one ever finds treasure chests anymore. Dumpster. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said before, you've got the Illithid Preacher. Yeah. You've got Noel Pimp. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of random crap in there. If I can, if I can say one more thing about the living dumpster, best thing about it, the dumpster is hiding in an alleyway that is postered over with pictures of Zorak from Space Ghost. <laughs> they they hid that in there just for you, just reader. for me. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. So yeah, again, they have basically D and D monsters. It's basically and, the 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 story of ultra realistic bodyguards versus D and D monsters. And the weirdest part for me is they also copy and paste the description for almost all of them oh, directly yeah, yeah, from yeah. the monster manual. What do hobgoblins do? Well, hobgoblins live in thick dens and warrens <laughs> and keeps. <laughs> the tribes of the... And you're like, what? what? You aren't even putting them in at all. And then occasionally it'll be something like, you'll have a description of goblins, and then the very last paragraph is, and goblins also like high-tech things now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be just copy-pasted monster manual, and then occasionally a paragraph at the end about what they do in modern day. Yeah. And I, that's only occasionally. There's also a big section on the back of the book that's dedicated towards playing this game in various ways. Like, if, uh, Yeah, if you want to run it as a supernatural game. Yeah, so there's a kind of the government is keeping secret psionics away from you mode. And each one of those tends to add more prestige classes. So the psionics one adds like a physical versus a sensitive psionic that you can play as. And then they added in a couple magic users that mm-hmm. you could be... If you want to play the magic is coming back to the world version of the game. Yeah. However, I will say this, and it's overall for the game, so much better balanced. Because even if you do go, okay, we're going to throw in spellcasters. Because things only go to level 10 in this, you can only get up to level 5 spells. There is no point where a wizard is like, Fuck you, I control the universe. Even the most powerful spellcaster or scion in this game is still able to cast basically, I think it gets up to like two level five spells a day. Also, you don't start with them because you have to still start as a smart hero or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then multi-class into wizard. No, so you'll end up getting your level five spell by the time you're like level 18 or yeah. something. And and any anybody will tell you never multi-class a wizard. Huh. Unless it's to some prestige class that keeps giving you your levels of wizard. Because you lose your spell levels and that's the only thing that matters. So this game does a very good job of depowering wizards, but still being able to have them in the game. Although it hides them way in the back. Oh yeah. So I especially enjoy the the fact that everything feels balanced. There's no point where you look at... Like in D&D you look at it and you go... Obviously, a fighter is just bad. There are a few gimmick builds you can try and do to be relevant. And obviously, all of the spellcasters are insanely powerful, and there are ways to make them even more broken. It's amazing to me that that we say that that's obvious. Like, we we sit here between the two of us and we're like, oh man, fighters are fucking terrible, it's so bad. But then, people making D&D had no idea. Huh. So, does your, does your character get plus two to strength for some reason? Oh shit, he's way too powerful, we better give him a level adjustment. Yeah. It's like they just didn't read their own game. So, <laughs> at least in D20 Modern, like, the difference between being 
a charismatic hero and a dedicated hero and a strong hero isn't as pronounced. If you're going, and especially because they have a lot more focus on skills and stories that aren't just combat, you also don't look at it and go, well, obviously all I'm going to be is a fast hero or a strong hero because they're going to be the ones that let me hit better. Yeah, which, again, though, fast hero is always the right choice. It's, well, it, it's, it's so much better than the <laughs> others. Cause you get evade, you get every kind of dodge, you get evasion, you get a good base attack progression. It's, it's like, be a rogue. Come on guys. Just, just be a rogue. You well, at least, at least in this game, the strong hero is the only one that's getting the best yeah, base the attack. So you can go, if all I want to do is have, have some, some fun. fun. Until the sun comes, comes up, up over Santa Monica Boulevard. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> then be a strong hero. Yeah, uh, just like just like Cheryl Crow. Cheryl would be. Crow, obviously a strong hero. Yeah. And a strong female role model. Strong woman. <laughs> so <laughs> what the fuck was I even saying? Okay, anyway. So it's it's fairly well balanced between the various classes. Uh the the ones that you would think would be worse, such as say a smart or a dedicated, because they're not they don't have spells in this, and they're not focused on combat. They get a shitload more skill points, and they're also, uh, they have a few of their class abilities, class abilities yeah. that are not shared with anything else. So, like, a smart hero in this has some tactic stuff they can do. They're kind of a proto-warlord in that they can help other people do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that they have a semblance of balance as opposed to, like, 3.x. Absolutely. Okay, so before you tell me too much about what you like, we're at 53 minutes, so let's talk a little bit about what we did and did not like best about this game. So, John, what was your favorite thing about Uh, D20 Modern? My favorite thing is definitely going to be the fact that uh, skills are useful Mm -hmm. in every D&D, D20 game, skills have been an afterthought or a thing that is made useless because of spells, so that maybe, you know, lockpicking and stealth don't matter because you've got invisibility or knock, and things like that. The lack of spells, the lack of ways to get around having to use skills, made it so that skills came to the forefront and you actually wanted to have them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing about this game is the... Uh, I was going to say the skill system, so now I'm kind of hosed on this. Huh, huh. But I'm going to say that it is the uh, the class mechanics. I actually kind of like the fast hero, strong hero, tough hero thing, because, again, I can see through the wheels to how that was their attempt to make point by. Mm-hmm. That was what they wanted to do. They were saying... They weren't saying your character should be a tough hero forever. They were saying... By taking one level of tough and three levels of fast and one level of dedicated, you can make an interesting character. I mean, it's a failure, but <laughs> it's an interesting failure, and I appreciate their attempt to do it and not just, you know, rename fighters as brawlers or something and say, there, it's modern. Yeah, you didn't just go, all right, fighter becomes like police officer, street tough, yeah. whatever. So uh, I like that. Least favorite thing? Uh, least favorite thing is definitely going to be the feel of the game. I hate talking about feel for Mm -hmm. a game, but when you're playing a game that is especially a class-based game, when you look at a level or you look at building a character and you go, I'm a 
I've got levels of tough and dedicated. It's fucking boring. It means nothing. It is so vanilla and so plain that when I first was reading through the book, even though I was just saying it's very well balanced, the way it's put together is much more cohesive than, like, the 3.x, it just made me irrationally angry. Yeah, because it's boring. Because it's rather just... playing like a city rat from Rifts than a tough hero. Yeah, no, I don't want to have to look at my character sheet and see, uh, tough, fast, charismatic. I go, I have stats if I know if I'm strong or charismatic because I will have a high stat in strength or charisma. I don't need levels in the exact same thing. And so it just made me really oddly, irrationally pissed off that they didn't bother to make their classes useful uh, as far as the flavor of it goes. Yeah. And I'd say my least favorite thing is that it's got an over-reliance on hospital mechanics and uh, requiring characters to sit stuff out. <laughs> I'm never a fan of that sort of thing. Whenever a game's got a wound system but doesn't have a fast way to get out of it, and it's like, oh yeah, well one character gets put in the hospital so he's going to have to skip three weeks. And I'm like, no one plays that way. No one's going to be like, well, Jerry, your character's damaged, so uh, why don't you just sit there while we play D20 Modern, yeah. and uh, you know, occasionally I'll tell you what channel you're uh, you're watching in the hospital. <laughs> just just get rid of that shit. Just have a fast healing mechanic that lets your characters get right back into the game, and you've got a good game. Yeah. That is any game that doesn't have healing magic, and a lot of games don't because they want it to have that gritty realism. Right. But the problem is that no one plays them, and I feel like game designers should just come to terms with that. That if you're like, "Haha, your character has to be in the hospital having his bones set for three weeks," then your pl- no players can be like, "Well, I'm staying home." Yeah, it. It's the like I understand wanting to do that if maybe it's the last thing of the day, like you have one fight that you get in in any session. And so it goes to the end, and then you get that lovely end scene of people being sort of bandaged or beat up, and you get like, oh man, that was rough. I think I need to go to the hospital. End game. And then you just skip forward, and next game, it's after everyone's already healed. That's fine. Great. But if you have more than one combat, it's like, all right, and we did our first combat, and, you know, Bill went down to two hit points and is all fucked up. He's in the hospital and sitting out, so, uh... Bye, Bill. I guess you can go get some food or something. Right. It, it's just not... I, I'm just not a fan of that sort of thing. So, okay. Would you play a D20 Modern? I... City of Violence. <laughs> um, maybe... I mean, if someone was really... Well, it's it's a tough question. It's really like vested in it, then yeah. I'd give it a shot. But, God, I wouldn't want to. It's a tough question, because it's kind of like saying, would you play GURPS? It's like, well... What GURPS? Yeah. It's the same thing with D20 Modern. Like, what's the setting? Is there magic? Are there kobolds? Do we have any, uh, where are we? Because it's very much a framework game. Yeah, you can, you can ask me would I play D20 Modern, and for the most part, baseline? Not really, no. It, it just doesn't have anything to hook me. That's, you know, like I was talking about with the flavor of the game, there's just nothing that gets me excited about D20 Modern. Yeah, the things that got me excited about when I read that first book for the first time were all that stuff in the very back of the book that modifies the setting. So, for example, the one where it's like the world has magic and monsters, but no one notices. I was way into that. I was <laughs> like, I would play this game, a game where if a dragon breathes fire in a neighborhood, everyone just thinks it's because a gas station blew up. Yeah. I would play that, where you're one of the, the two people. It's basically playing They Live, 
No, you're you're playing in that classic like the secret world or supernatural or Buffy or any of those things where it's like, yes, there are these dudes, they're heroes, they know that there are things that go bump in the night, but apparently the rest of humanity is not caught on, even though they're yeah. obviously doing it. Or they're psychologically unable to grasp it. Which I, li- I like that there's kind of a specific point at which lizards are too big for us to grasp that they are they exist. Like, <laughs> okay, I have a vague concept that Komodo dragons are real, yes, but if a lizard gets any bigger than a saltwater alligator, then I probably just think it's an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was at the zoo yesterday and I saw a Komodo dragon. I was like, what the fuck is that explosion doing Look at in that there? that thing. I think it's a fire in a, in a gas leak. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I like that. So I'd play a game if it was that. Now, to that end, uh, we're just about ready to wrap this sucker up, but I would like to make a small announcement. We actually know what we're going to be doing for our next episode. Which is crazy, because we never know what the fuck we're doing ever. Yeah, I'm starting to run out of books on my shelf, and we haven't hit the nerd store in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, we are going to keep going on the D20 Modern train and talk about D20 Modern Urban Arcana. Send help! Oh, God! <laughs> let me, let me, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, Urban Arcana is 15 times better. Oh, it's it's crazy bonkers McBullshit. It's 15 times better in that it is 15 times dumber. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh, it, it, it's the best treatment of bugbears in any book in history, which, you know, <laughs> it's, it's weird to say that. Which, I mean, let's not besmirch the good name of bugbears. They have been given quite the high treatment in books. Yeah, it, the best bugbears ever and the best kobolds ever are all in that book. Uh, it's it's a great fun book. We're gonna we're gonna dive into it and read that for our next session. Woo! I've already read it, so John's gonna have to get started. Oh goody! Okay, so uh, as per normal, but thank you for listening to System Mastery. You can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com, System Mastery at Gmail, System Mastery on Twitter, and uh, System Mastery on Facebook, Facebook, which is the only one we actually update. Which is weird because I always forget it. Yeah, you know if you follow us on Twitter. Uh, nothing's gonna happen. I don't Jeff, even think I update the Twitter. Jeff never tweets the deets. I, I hate Twitter. So, uh, okay. Thanks for listening. You know what's coming next. You know what's come before. And have a D20 modern day. <laughs>